Welcome back to Gear and Beer. Today is me and Lyndon McCarty twisting and tweaking, as always. Except, actually, he's over here today. <sighs> What's up, dude? What's Cheers. up, man? Cheers. This is weird. Make it less weird. Um, I don't know how to do that. Can we... Oh, there we go. Yeah, that's what that, it is. We retracted in a little. Yeah, how's that? That's better. It was yeah. just like it was weird. I'm gonna bring it down a little bit because my nose is up there. Bring it down out of your nose. Um, we'll get plenty of audio from your nose. There you have it. Thank you. Good night. No, but uh, I don't know if we cheers. We Let's did. Cheer. We, we did. We can cheers again. We can toast. Cheers. Toast. Whatever. That's right. Depends on which pretentious guitar player you're talking to. <laughs> Looking at you, Mark. So what's up, man? Man, nothing, you know. Just uh, been dealing with this uh, red-bearded fuck all day. Oh, that's true. Well, I guess I can go ahead and mark this one Can explicit. I say fuck on here? Uh, you just did, twice. <laughs> I'll go ahead and mark that one explicit right out of the bat. Um, you know, we decided uh, that we were just going to do this one without a guest because it was so close to the holidays. Uh, this will... I guess this can... This will come out uh two days after christmas yeah i was i was gonna suggest that we did uh like santa in an elf hat or something i thought about that that, but it wouldn't come out in time right right um i definitely have a nutcracker sweater (laughs) so we've got that going for us oh looks like our tech is back yeah uh the dog is now laying where our feet should go um but anyway, so this will be, this is just, we're just going to kind of, you know, rehash a little bit and talk about where, uh, what we got coming on, coming in the new year. Yeah, it's very exciting. We got um, got some great guests. You got uh, a new guitar from your sponsorship the other day and we, oh, yeah. uh, this, not his sponsorship, not this podcast, please sponsor <laughs> this podcast. Yeah. Um, and you got your Kemper, of course, we did some jamming, which was fun uh i like to jam that jam been, was super fun we've been trying to get that going with the guests and um i guess like since i can't remember when we started that but it wasn't at the beginning right and just kind of trying to feel that out and i i've only released a couple of them um i was thinking that they may go like on the patreon page for patrons and supporters of this podcast um or we could we could work something out figure out a way to post them and just give a little more back to the people who are actually supporting and listening to the podcast yeah because we uh we enjoy making them and there's some great jams in there man there are some good jams and that rob mcnelly yeah whoops sorry luca just kicked one. the dog right in the right in the ribs sorry <laughs> dude dog. uh yeah the mcnelly jam was a lot of fun um i actually posted that one on my personal page because i kind of had a flow set up on the our instagram but that's about to change too we got a new like logo coming oh, a yeah. whole bunch of new looks coming uh and who did that again uh so that's actually my neighbor she's a she's tiktok famous uh i don't know what it i don't know what her handle is but because i'm not on tiktok <laughs> but uh i'll find it and i'll put it in the show notes uh because she definitely will have designed the new stuff and she actually put together uh all of the graphic stuff for the thumbnails and whatever they look great stuff man. That she killed it so of, the new cool stuff ideas. looks a lot cleaner and better like uh, my, shout out to my homie uh 
the glue gun gangster uh mrs dina stormer who designed our first thing and she's designed a lot of cool stuff for me yeah the bobby jam logo the bobby jams kitchen is her uh the stickers on the front of this amp or this uh pedal board case are her uh, the old that, ones of me my anyway. favorite. yeah those are those are great she does amazing work and she has a little uh like uh i don't know what kind of this cute little company uh called hearts and Sharts, and her tagline is a little cute a little unexpected there's a lot of hair sticking out it's probably from this dog probably dog hair yeah dog hair everywhere so don't re- don't worry about that if i ever try to sell you one of these microphones <laughs> beer as always is required except for when it isn't what is this uh this is a local uh black brewery Abbey? no it's not that one it's the other one uh blackberry farms yeah that yeah one. this is a good one it is a good one i've been drinking it lately um it goes down smooth it's nice a little strength to it mm-hmm. i yeah. like i like ipas to be yeah, high octane, or at least not low. Right, like seven and above. Six, six is about as low of octane mm. as I want to drink because yeah. the flavor is so heavy. I feel like it's weird if you if you don't like if it doesn't. Yeah, put that on you. Otherwise, it's just like it makes my stomach feel weird. I feel like I I I agree with that, man. Like the um it the full flavor low octane IPAs, just like. I can do like maybe one of them and it's not even that enjoyable usually. But like double IPAs, Imperial IPAs. Yeah. Yeah, man. I used to like the session ones, but you know, I just, if you're drinking beer over a long period of time, it's a lot easier to nurse a beer like this for yeah. me. And the other ones, when, they just don't work the same. I guess, of, I guess he decided to move can't too get comfortable. I, you know, I don't know. I don't we know need a doggy is. cam. We do need, we need to get, a f- face uh, a gopro harness that faces yeah right him, right and it can just we'll just get it wireless and he can just go wherever he wants wherever he, let's, run, let's check in a, with a word from our sponsors yeah. and it's just the dog cam yeah dog cam just <laughs> walking around or drinking some water oh, that's, chewing that's, on some shit he shouldn't be chewing on yeah that's probably well you know hey i thought he was about to grab that cable <laughs> hey don't chew on stuff <laughs> Why are you pouting? Say, I don't know, bro. He's been boarded, as you know, since you yeah. picked him up. So he was extremely excited when we got home last night. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a good boy. There you go. Um, hell, yeah. So we got got some good guests coming up. Um, More more stuff, things. Content, better. segments. Segments. What are those? uh segments like uh the instagram stuff that you were showing me oh yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah that's we, right we're not gonna we're gonna not we got gonna segments coming everything yeah. what you guys know about segments um yeah you know we're just uh trying to cater to those fans of both gear and beer and as anyone who's checked out this podcast probably knows it's like we're also like it's a lot of stories and like conversation and sometimes we think about checking out some gear you know it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 almost like uh it's hard to, when people ask me what's the podcast about i'm like well you know i don't 
don't know. It's, it's a, a little self-explanatory, but it's not completely self-explanatory because it's it a lot more than what just the guest feels gear like doing. and beer. Sure, and we've had multiple guests that have brought nothing at all. Right, right, and that's just the way that goes sometimes. And the the whole point of it is we're, we're talking to people in the industry, um, both players and uh, production side. I, I'm working on getting a an engineer schedule that i actually worked with uh when we did that session at uh zan emporium with dan recently and i had not met him before and he's great and he's worked on some great stuff cool Uh, man he's like super knowledgeable engineer so we're gonna have him in we've got a few guitar players in this next month um some super popular uh social and like youtube dudes and um who else i just booked somebody yeah i sent you like i think like six six or seven dudes um you i think you said the names to me i don't think you sent anything okay to me. I, we talked about we'll, we'll get some of those people yeah. on too i i think there was a couple of drummers in there maybe as well drummers <sighs> <laughs> no i'm just kidding uh, i'm just serious uh looking yeah. at looking at you drumio nominated billy yeah and Matt Krause and your whatever your podcast is. Matt, yesterday, <laughs> is it the working drummer? Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay, <laughs> but I say that because yesterday, and I uh, were he and I playing a group together, and in that group thread, uh, I was asking if this one gig was public or not, and he said that what does it matter? You don't have any friends anyway. So I sent him a picture of his working drummer podcast, and then a trash can in the phoenix airport where i was when he sent that text i said i guess the i guess this trash can and phx just got a little bit fuller uh and i proceeded to call him trash boy and say say he had a trash face and then i sent a picture or a a gif of a trash can how many beers deep were you in at this point i'd only had one okay okay i had uh i had a burrito for breakfast that put me out till i got back dude here. speaking of trash that phoenix airport last, Sucks. it it is not fun the workers if you're listening phoenix airport get better get bent uh, no get better you are bent also like just maybe fold to the union because uh they were on strike last time i was there oh really and i got literally two if you imagine like some just a stale loaf of bread and you cut off the ends just take that middle part throw it away throw it away throw it away take those shitty little ends put them close together so you've got about five inches of a sandwich that just really sucks and then only put the shittiest meat and cheese and nothing else that you can on it and charge 17 dollars. that's what i had that sounds the like phoenix, phoenix airport. airport yeah the place that we had a beer yesterday uh their kitchen was closed they were out of the first beer that aaron wanted they were out of the first beer that i wanted yeah that's how I was going at Phoenix Airport <laughs> yesterday. Uh, we did have a uh, there's this place in Phoenix, and there there's a few of them around now. There's actually, I think there's one in Grapevine. I, I rather I know there's one in Grapevine somewhere. It's called Lolo's Chicken and Waffles. It's a original to the Phoenix area. There there's a Mrs. Smith's Diner, which is like a really like old fixture in yeah. Phoenix, and this is uh, her son or or something. That's not the. What's the chicken and waffles place that had jazz gigs in Dallas? You know what I'm talking about. It might be buttons. 
Yeah, I think that might be it. That, uh, Buttons was like a New New Orleans or like a Louisiana kitchen. No, man, there was one that had brunch that was like chicken and waffles, basically. I did uh, not play there. Uh, Tashiana used to play there a bunch. I don't know. I mean, I know who that is, but I... I yeah, yeah, yeah. I got nothing for you. Okay. Anyway, there's some cool stuff to do in Phoenix. Went to a great uh, brewery uh, that I believe I tagged uh, on the on the Instagram called Wilderness. Um, they actually charged me twice for our tab, so we're going to be taking care of that tomorrow. But <laughs> Fun. Um, Good thing you checked, man. Well, my uh, my business manager is all over that shit. <laughs> she does. That's that's her thing. She is all on it. And we're thankful for that. Um, I'm good at buying the stuff to put in this room. She's good at yelling at me for it. Yeah, making sure that you don't do it too much. Yeah, making sure that I don't do it as much as I otherwise would right, be right. doing it. <laughs> Spin myself into oblivion. Um, man, I had something that I did want to ask you. Well, I, I guess we, we may as well just like, why don't you uh, do the funnest thing ever and just kind of tell the audience a little bit about yourself. All right, because uh, they've heard you talk. They, yeah, yeah. You know, they kind of know that you're a dick and everything. But I want you to just like, <laughs> tell us where it came from. <laughs> well, fuck you very much. Um, no, I, I'm from uh, I'm from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I thought I was about to go like this. The but magistrate realized- of Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Lyndon McCarty on Guitardi. <laughs> Thank you for not saying the Grand Wizard of Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, that's I would never. I don't use that term. <laughs> okay. Um, so the uh, yeah, I'm from from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, but I, I lived I, as you know in Texas a bunch growing up. So yeah. born in Hattiesburg, moved to Midland, Texas uh, when I was like maybe four. Worst and, place ever. Shout out to Midland. Yeah, shout out to Midland. Uh, I would say get better, but I just know you can't. Great band, uh, terrible city. <laughs> Uh, and then lived in Houston for a couple of years, came back to Hattiesburg in like seventh grade. Um, and then finished did, out school there before you went to college. Yeah. I went to college for two years at Southern Miss shout out Southern Miss, uh, and then went to university of North Texas for the rest of college. And you were um, like similar to me. You were kind of like a rocker metal dude. Yeah. I mean, I got into jazz girl. and stuff when I was in high school, but I was, I was into like, I was into like punk rock and I played a lot in the metal scene, especially that kind of like uh southern sludgecore ultra doom i mean we were opening for like relapse bands so like uh not for mastodon but like mastodon was on that label oh Um, Oh, that's a that's a label yeah 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 relapse records was the was the original label that mastodon was on before leviathan came out um so i grew up in that scene and then uh before that's the song leviathan by midlight came out (laughs) yeah um that's what i thought and then you know went to went to UNT. Uh, I mean, I you know all this, but like I, I met Mike League in Mississippi uh, when Snarky Puppy came through, and Mike League is the person who told me about UNT. Oh. Okay. Um. So when I first went to uh when I first came to to Dallas, Mike and Justin Stanton and Nate Worth and a couple of other dudes that were in the band at that point were uh, like Steve Pruitt. Um. Ah, fin- were, the financial uh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Pruitt Financial. Um, they were, I think it's spelled different, but uh, they were, you know, the only people I knew. So, like, Mike was basically like, come out to these jam sessions. So I drove them to jam sessions. And you're talking about, like, Gazelle and Teeny Bar. Yeah. And, uh-huh. uh, what, uh, the, whatever that other the place. The first one was the Walrus, Walrus which was RC's yeah. jam. Right, RC. Right. Uh, that moved to the, the Profit Grits. Bar. Yep. 
Yeah, which became the Profit Bar Jam that's been going on in Dallas and still goes on to this day. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, even though I don't think it's called that anymore. And is... Uh, oh, no. They closed their they closed their doors. It's gone. Okay. I, I mean, they went through so many iterations. I'm sure that they, they moved that jam to, somewhere. Yeah. I have to find out where that is. And, Do you know if... Uh, who would be running that jam now? Because it was Bernard Wright for a long time. Well, the Monday the Monday jam is still the Funky Knuckles. That's every Monday right, at, right. at three links. But the the Profit Bar jam was Wednesdays, and that's RC's thing still to this yeah. day. So RC, if it occurs, it's RC. RC had a thing, and then the the Gazellic Pussycat Lounge thing was uh, Bernard and Bernard and Wes and, Wes and, John and Carruth. Carruth. Yeah. yeah, and that I mean this that's is the coolest like thing that pre, I ever pre YouTube really like the, some of the most late, memorable late early, nights of music i've ever aughts. had man oh it, yeah dude and like absolutely the 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 genesis of the sound of bands like snarky puppy and the funky knuckles 100 was was and any of those guys would tell you like bernard wright absolutely. you know uh kind of the godfather of that scene so anyway I'll definitely make some show notes about bernard oh man if we can find some videos of that stuff Man, oh, there's, like, there's there's plenty. I'll I'll definitely from those days, man. We can work on that after this. We're done filming. That's here. some inspirational shit right there. Because um, we were actually, uh, we can work on that while we profile an amp. Oh yeah, that's right. We're going to profile some Kemper stuff for this wall of sound back here. Yeah, we got all um, those things. We're going to uh, make digital copies of them. See how they stand up, man. So after school, I uh, after UNT, I did one semester of grad school. Was like, fuck this. I'm not writing academic papers. I want to play guitar. Moved to Chicago, and then for seven years, uh, I lived there. I started off doing, like, uh, I think country cover bands, which is how I first got into playing country. Yeah. Um, even though I grew up, you know, hearing country music, I wasn't really necessarily a fan. But nobody um, I knew listened to country. And, uh, you know, I kind of, like, started to realize, even though I was still playing jazz gigs and stuff, like, hey, I like other styles of music, and they are just as challenging and, you know, fruitful of a, like... Uh, musical experience um he's passed out yeah um and then uh i met this guy named adam ness and who's a like just phenomenal vocalist uh and kind of musical genius uh and i started working with him as his guitarist md and then later uh when we did an album as his producer for the first and kind of like part of the second and then like one song of his third album okay. um and so i really like i met a lot of the guys in the gospel scene there which record um, did the the song that was on the hbo show come off of that came off the first album first album? And, and that was a showtime show uh the show oh, the shy was yeah, oh yeah, the yeah so bad. the song's My called bad. blush uh it was definitely our most successful but we co-wrote i'll put, that I'll put a link album. to that yeah, yeah, um and there's, you know, a ton of work. I think with him, he and I probably wrote 40 or 50 songs together and maybe released 20 of those songs, you know, uh maybe less than that, honestly. We had a a lot of material and we still have talked about like releasing some of the other stuff. Um so I I really learned a lot about like production and uh playing other styles like um really just like anything that wasn't jazz, like how to how to be the percussionist in a band when you're like playing guitar, you know, because the role is different, right? Sure. Like you're not just comping, like you're not playing whatever comes to mind, like, you know, you're expected to play like a part and play repetitively and sit in the pocket with a drummer, you know, stuff like that. Um, you should be doing that. I don't care what kind of music you're playing. Yeah, I mean, it just, I'm saying in jazz, I, I guess like I just, 
it's a lot more selfish of a music and like it it's can not, be it can be and i was approaching it that way i was Lying playing a lot like of very modern do. like new yorky type stuff and i still love that stuff um but it just it really opened my my ears and my mind to to playing a different way and to be able to like flip a switch off and flip another one on yeah and um and really like be able to play a gig without somebody realizing that you can play other styles sure um so yeah did all that Just because you can play one style so authentically exactly, like exactly and that's always been my motto i'm sure i've told you and maybe even said on this podcast it's like whoever is on the other end of that phone calling me saying hey can you fill in the blank like i want to yeah. be able to say yes yeah whether it's uh you know jack pearson calling me to come play rhythm guitar or bass in his band or which hasn't never happened that was just the first thing that came to mind <laughs> or if uh herbie hancock needs me to play marimba like whatever yeah i i, I, mean, I can't do that i can't play marimba i can't play marimba it's also like down here on the list of things i'd want to do i don't yeah. um uh no offense gary burton uh but i'm not playing your i'm not, I'm not into it <laughs> not playing your stupid instrument uh <laughs> I'm, I'm not i'm not playing your dinosaur bone uh glockenspiel also though you and i met from the uh you and i met at uh ben Bohorquez's birthday party at his house across at his the house highway in dallas which miles. i was temporarily living at um for like six months somewhere between three and six months um after school well i lived at his place for a little bit and i lived at uh mike luzaki's place for a little bit after school um we met somewhere in there and then i moved to chicago and then you came through Chicago with different groups, and for a minute there, I was there like all the time. Yeah, oh, you came through one year like felt like eight times or yeah, something. Yeah, it was a bunch. It was like um, every six weeks or something. And I'd come out and watch you play, sit in, we'd kick it, get food, or you know whatever. Um, and then I moved here 2019. Um, you hooked so, my ass up with a bunch of gigs. Was it really that? recently july 2019 yeah it seemed like it was long. july for july 1st 2019 mm -hmm. i moved here july 24th uh 2014 okay so I, i've been here for five years i guess at that point um in this weird town yeah <laughs> it's been a change but it's cool man yeah it's, i mean it's, it's definitely great. a cool place to live as a musician there's all kind of stuff going on you can make all kinds of work for yourself if you want to play super fusion gigs maybe pick another city other than that you know there's just a lot of there's a lot of uh touring acts based out of here there's if you're if you know a bunch of songs and have done the party band or the dance band thing yeah. somewhere else or the wedding band which is what i did in chicago a lot then there's well. a, there's work for you on broadway yeah people there's wedding band stuff here too yeah that there is but it, as, if you want to do wedding band stuff this is not the place for that yeah i, That's I would dallas say, uh man chicago as well there was uh, it's the, a destination wedding type spot well the so the deal with the dallas bands is they they just fly them all over the place the, oh i didn't know they em flew emerald out. city okay. is a giant brand now that has multiple bands in multiple cities yeah. they exist in chicago and uh, totally blue well, water kings in they chicago, fly them all over emerald the place. empire here em emerald emerald city at one point 10 or 15 years ago was getting like 75 grand a show or something as a just a corporate band mm -hmm. like a, but a really good one yeah. and a very big one and that whole scene is just you know 
it's very cool and you can make a lot of money and there's some really good players in it but the gigs themselves are just not very rewarding because it's the same thing every night two tracks uh maybe you get a solo maybe you don't some of the cool wedding bands have like the jazz set where you like you're actually like playing standards and you can do a yeah. little soloing and there's no tracks and you're you know no we did like we, yeah we would do like cocktail hours and stuff and and our band was i didn't i subbed with the chicago version of yeah. that band and they were great um but i played with uh my main one was called green light in chicago and it was the uh uh this drummer named neil wayman and the bass player brian doherty and then um uh the uh the rest of the band is just like, I mean, everybody was just so super killing, but partic- particularly those two dudes are. Were That's the so same band with uh, Kurt Ellings, piano player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and they were just like so amazing as players. Like I, I felt like I was really good when I came in, and then when I came in, I was like, holy crap! Like these guys are like schooling me. And I had to like come up to their la- even like Neil called me one day and he was like, "Dude, you got to step it up." And uh, in terms of like locking in with the rhythm section, you know, like yeah. playing like a percussionist. So that was a big part of that too. Was like you know doing like dancing party. I I think we when did you say 70- playing like a percussionist, mm-hmm. that's a, a weird way to think of it for me. It's like, well, thinking as a drummer, like rhythm first, right? Well, I yeah, but I just I I don't like I don't think that should ever not be the first thing that you're thinking about because if it doesn't feel good it doesn't matter what comes next well i think that if you listen to a lot of like there's a lot of jazz musicians that even like some some really really good ones that i respect a lot and love if you listen to their playing they don't sit in the pocket a lot of times and that i found was in that world was was not as much of a priority as maybe it should be no i'm not I, i'm not saying that they're all that way there are plenty of guys that are I, like, say, I can't at, think of anybody that i listen to that uh, i mean i i'm not a i'm not going to name names because i love so many of those dudes I'm i don't want to denigrate yeah, yeah, anybody yeah. it's just a mindset right i'm also not a, a jazz scholar i uh at what Wes stevenson calls a really good musical liar <laughs> Wes says that about himself but yeah, he's that, but it, but is, it's more. Is, it's yeah. certainly more true about me than it is about him. He's a he's what you call he's a, musical, a musical assassin. Yeah, he's a genius in many genres. Yeah, he's uh, ridiculous for sure. But I, um, I'd love to get him on here someday, but he doesn't leave his house unless someone pays him to. That's all I mean is like is like <laughs> you're playing the role of as a guitar. Okay, for example, on like "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough," you know, yeah, that like dun, dun, boom, ba, dun, dun, that thing. You're locked in. That's your part. You know, you're playing that part and it is your pattern. So like in the same way that a percussionist has a pattern that they're playing that locks in and you can improvise around the pattern, but the pattern exists uh, or like a clave guy. There's like a nuance in that part too, right? Yeah. No, he pushes the second half. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's right. And uh the been a minute since I played that, but I used to know that part you know like that horn part yeah like just shit like that like like having to really lock that in with a band with two people who were like well above my level at that point was like that was such a eye-opening uh experience for me was just getting getting you know educated every single time i played a gig with them and we did 70 gigs a year so i did that for three years um so i mean we probably played you know 
over 200 weddings. 210 to be precise. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't exactly 70 years, but you know what I mean. 70 years, what you said. Um, I can't backtrack. <laughs> Dear and beer. Kind of, you were kind of finishing up talking about playing and learning to lock Oh, yeah, in like talking about like, what, yeah, wedding bands and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, anyway, it, it was just, um, that was a great experience. And I think like all of that, uh, in, in particular, so things like um, playing with gospel players, but not on their gospel gigs. Yeah. Playing, so we're, I was playing like their bar gigs, you know, like we, we had this thing called, um, soul sessions which was every sunday at uh revel room uh which is a bar at uh if any chicago people know um but it, but it, i'm it's the corner of milwaukee and north avenue um and it was this just tiny bar but basically like anybody who was good enough to and plenty of people who I guess weren't like, and didn't realize it. Like you, like basically the idea of jam session was you come in and there's a house rhythm section. The house rhythm section maybe plays half a set and everything is, uh, uh, the motto was no cover, no covers. So, uh, you didn't pay to get in and you couldn't play any covers. You had to make something up. And the dudes that came in were the most burning ass players in the city. And I got to be in the house band like half the time. I shared the chair with Anders Nordstrom, who is, shout out Anders, one of the best guitar players I've ever met in my life. He plays for Jonathan McReynolds and uh, oh, okay, yeah. maybe Fred Hamilton. Um, but gospel gospel dude. Yeah, yeah. And amazing amazing person and McReynolds is kind of like that uh that uh mega church worshipy gospel yeah, it's, crossover it's a little bit of crossover of but you know they, very modern gospel vibes yeah they, the most use a lot of band. cool harmony stuff in yeah there, as and, far as like chords i mean and and uh hit like uh you know Guys would come in, like Kendrick Lamar's bass player would come in uh, and sit in. Uh, dudes, like heavy dudes like that. Right, right. And um, so you, you had to really like, ha- what? Some of them hitters? Some of the hitters. Uh, I saw his sister. Uh, so those dudes would, so you had to really like know your stuff and like have a good ear because the harmony is like, they're not fucking around. Like that's some serious harmony. Yeah. And uh, obviously like rhythmically, everybody's super on point too. So that was a good, um, learning experience. Uh, just, you know, trying to sound good in that and, um, uh, in that whole thing. So I think all of that, you know, long story short, over prepared me for coming to Nashville where like, obviously like, you know, we're not like, we're playing country music, which can be complicated, but it's not, it's not that level of, uh, complicated but it's good because i feel like any gig that and and you're kind of the same way like you've got a great ear for harmony you've got great time because you've had a very similar experience like one two three four (laughs) but you can go into pretty much any gig situation on broadway or in you know like somebody could call you for a weekend run and all you got to do is hear the song a couple times and you're like yeah i'm fine yeah but i like to I like to come in and play every lick and fill and thing on the yeah. record that I can. I would can. prefer that, but, but it, it makes you a very hireable person. Yeah, and, and to say I say that, but I also feel comfortable going into a gig with someone who can, you know, 
before we go out be like either talk me through stuff or at the beginning of every every song uh be like yo it's this feel dude here's the sig lick or whatever which is what you did for me when i first moved here and we played broadway gigs together you know it's it can be that simple just to get through a song for some money on a on a on a cover gig for sure that's certainly not how you want to like present yourself on the road in an original I mean, if you're act. An, yeah, if, if you're an if artist gig. It, yeah, yeah, right, right. No, uh, you're learning the parts for that one. I say that, and there are a couple of artists, at least one artist that I know of for sure that likes it by the seat of their pants, and I'll tell you uh, off camera yeah, who it is. Yeah, I'm interested to and, know. Like, it would be a really cool gig. Uh, it was one that I thought I had for a second, and then oh, some, some other stuff happened. I think I know. And... Uh, it was uh, i think that's i think it's cool you i think that certain kinds of music lend themselves to that and other kinds of music don't um does his name rhyme with the final uh boss on mario yeah okay um <laughs> uh yeah you can cut that out if you want <laughs> yeah godzilla <laughs> definitely um so the point i was trying to make i can't remember yeah cool (laughs) one beer deep here we go yeah i've had one beer today doing great uh i honestly don't remember what i was just talking about but so um and oh we were talking about um you know parts on uh learning parts on oh yeah yeah stuff like that you know what i was going to say actually do remember my point now it's like even on gigs where like it needs to be by the book and like Mm -hmm. i feel like radio songs need to be like radio songs you play the solo you play the fills unless that is a you know as a group or the the md or the artist says we're going to take it in this direction and then go from there sure but otherwise that should be the thing i think that there are songs that you play that are album songs and even sometimes to a certain like if if it's a a radio song and it's a some sort of burner where there's solos and trading or, or anything like that i think that lends itself to be a lot more fun if the people are improvising that are taking solos in that mm-hmm. instance but if it's a mid-tempo you know kind of just a, a mid-tempo radio tune yeah um like whatever that solo is let's just go ahead and play it you know or uh whatever that kick drum pattern and and yeah. and bass pattern and is, i like to do that on broadway too man if, well sure if time affords again you know. like when when it's a song when it's a standard and it goes a certain way now it's just it's so hard to do that on broadway because yeah it's not unless you not play with the song. same people exactly every time which i do some it's you just kind of have to like do do your best and depending on what instrument you're playing uh friends obviously i'm playing multiple down there it's it's if you're playing a chordal instrument and you're it's a guitar a bass player a drummer and a singer who either does or does not play acoustic guitar or piano which almost no one plays piano anymore like certain songs you can't play like the record because you don't have four guitar parts right, two exactly. keyboards uh steel guitar and fiddle yeah, so you're making like an amalgamation of parts just to fill it out so but you in those instances you like really need to have a a 
smart head about how to approach that and still like Mm-hmm. maybe you lay out completely in the first verse or and then the second verse you play some fills or the first verse you're playing very sparsely rhythm guitar and in the second verse you take fills and then you know you're you ornament the sig lick on the outro or something to move it yeah. along because you don't have all these other instruments right. like, some other way to make it exciting thinking and, about and, that and yeah have the the concept of dynamics just, just like you just like a producer or a musician should in a studio session you're like okay we can't just do this same thing over and over again yeah. without moving it along now in the studio you can move a song along in a bunch of different ways that you can't necessarily yeah. do in a live scenario so you just have to like just to the best of your ability use that kind of a brain and approach to doing the song live and it will it, it it'll just come across so much better yeah. and still feel right and full you know it's been interesting that i've been realizing um because i've been using i just got that kemper and i've been using it a ton lately on the road uh and then i i've been taking it to broadway lately and it sounds on broadway it sounds great for you know compared to like no shade to to line six but compared to the hx stomp that i have yeah it sounds spectacular it sounds like there's a real amp in my ears sure but there's still not a real amp on stage and i found that on the road because we're using like not super heavy tracks but we're using a fair amount of tracks and uh you know like for instance last time we brought our own sound guy uh and we're typically playing venues with a line array uh you know like somewhere between three and six speaker line array uh or more like a really banging sound system yeah uh and uh, a dedicated monitor dedicated front of house um the kemper in that situation works so well sure um because there's enough air is being moved it's around so you. It's so dialable, and yes, exactly. There's enough air being moved around me on stage that what even you, if I don't have the onstage volume, it's spectacular. I see. When my my big problem with that live is there is a certain interaction between the air moving out of an amp that's hitting your yep. body and your guitar that yep. just and it changes the way the guitar reacts or the bass reacts. It so changes the way did, you, you yeah. your feel is in your you're playing well i mean it, it, it literally is like creating a feedback loop that even if it's not feeding back there's still that loop created and there's like you said you know there's like this like harmonic you know just frequency interaction between your pickups and the speaker yeah. uh that's behind you or in front of you so i was going to say like we did the first gig i did with sean stemley we did the tortuga music festival and they, they left yeah at fort lauderdale they left the um the speaker the wedges on um and normally that band doesn't play with wedges sure uh but we just did it for that gig and uh or at least we did it in soundcheck and it sounded just super full you know yeah and they turned it off and it was like in soundcheck i think yeah they turned it off in soundcheck and it was like meh and then when we played the gig they had front of house on so you've got all this reflection coming because it was in a tent um so then that that interaction was there and it was great but i've noticed i was going to say on broadway when i have this thing as great as the kemper sounds i don't have that because like for example like 
whiskey row like no shade to them but like they mix the guitar pretty low in that room typically and the ear situation is mono it's not stereo right um so like you were talking about like just the dynamics of a band um and like how you kind of have to think about what your role is and and like the number of people on stage whether you're using tracks or not um all that is a factor and a huge factor for me on broadway is i've realized if I can have a real amp on Broadway, I'm going to just do it because you can it, it, you can. And the sound guys usually don't like it, but I'm at the point where I'm not like, their choice. It, it's not their choice. And I'm respectful enough to not blast my amp. Um, yeah, well, because you, I know what sounds good. Um, and it's not, it's not even a matter of respect. It's what's what is appropriate. Well, I'm saying, you in, know, in just, a stage like downtown mm-hmm. where everyone's face is right at the level of a guitar speaker, you just baffle it. Yeah. In almost every case. Yeah. Or you play something this this big or smaller, but that that like that bigness or that illusion of dynamics or whatever or just not even illusion, just actual dynamics that you can create uh, with a four piece. So much harder to do it when you're just in the ears totally. and you have no stage volume because they're mixing those guitars so low that 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 harmonic like and frequency interaction between the pickups it doesn't and, exist there's no air exist. moving you don't yeah. you don't have instantaneous physical reaction from you know what the the sound that you are or should be creating by striking exactly. the string yeah. or this pickup etc so yeah man i sending it to I a love it. Box. i i now understand why um why rob music brings just a a cabinet with him you know now the guy Dennis that I play with some um, too does he brings he, a real cabinet right yeah he like built a cabinet. cabinet I forget what speaker he said he put in there it might be an EV or something but it's a guitar speaker it's not a full range speaker like yeah, it's Kemper not a flat says that you should. Yeah. and I don't I don't think I, I have not heard that sound right uh, and that's just me and it doesn't matter what I think yeah but uh, except for it does um, <laughs> but they do in ears sound good if we were sitting here playing through it which we will in a mo- uh, in a moment yeah and when there's not a bunch of other cluttering frequencies and you can feel the guitar vibrating on your body yeah like it's it's a little easier in that in that scenario you know what i mean i totally agree whereas uh you know the the live setting where there's th- thundering subs and no on stage guitar speakers or bass amp or yeah even vocal monitors or whatever it's just all in ears you know side fill people you know on big stages they use side fills and in ears why do they do that to get the frequencies interacting with their guitars so that playing uh, yeah i mean there's their instruments even literally like it's not just perception it's physical it's like it's uh physics bitch there's like there's like sustain that you can otherwise you're not going to get right totally totally uh, not without compression anyway and even that's only going yeah, to work it's only, to a only certain so extent. much yeah yeah um well you want to well, get a beer see you later yeah let's get a beer okay you are listening to the gear and beer podcast today's episode is sponsored by bobby jam's kitchen Want to take your home cooking to the next level? Need new recipe ideas or meal inspiration? Like, follow, and subscribe to Bobby Jam's Kitchen on YouTube and Instagram. At 
Bobby Jam's Kitchen. Cook your food and eat it. You brought your uh, signature McCarty Hollow. Yeah. I'm McCarty uh, PRS here. Yeah. Um, the army green or hunter green or whatever color you would call that. I think I think their official name for this color is metallic green. Except for or maybe metallic olive green. Um, I don't know where they're getting the metallic from. I've only ever seen this color on uh, double jeeps cut. at wartime. <laughs> On General Patton's yeah, ass. on U.S. Army jeeps. <laughs> yeah, um, no, but it's it's a it's a really uh, great guitar. It's a it's a the full name, I guess, would be PRS McCarty Five Nine Four Single Cut. Oh, um, it's got. Uh, I believe I, I may be wrong. I'm sorry, PRS, if this is wrong, but I believe it is Gibson scale. Um, Oh, so and it's it's the twenty four and three quarters, and not the, the PRS patented twenty five. So. Yeah, patented. I don't think it's patented, but that's what they do. Their guitars is twenty five. I, I know that they make one of their guitars to that scale. Interesting. Uh, and and to the it would like, make sense with the Les Paul. Yeah, sim- yeah. very similarly shaped body. It, it's like a, a Les Paul that stays in tune and and controls. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's you know it's got you know push pull on on both uh, humbuckers. Um, it's uh, vintage low output pickups. Uh, I, I think these pickups are specifically designed for the McCarty five nine four line. Um, and yeah, PRS generously sent me this last week, uh, and they've been great, great to deal with. They're just super duper nice people. Uh, you know, every person that I've talked to that's dealt with them says that. Um, the guy that I dealt with when I got mine. Yeah. However long ago, I don't even want to talk, honestly talk about how long ago that was. <laughs> uh, does, is no longer with the company and hasn't been in like 12 years. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they probably do things a little differently these days. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, shout out to Rich Hannon. Yeah, so um, play something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so. Oh, play. and this is through your Kemper with uh, six compressors. Three AC-30s and a uh, a couple of Dumbles and a Marshall, right? All at the same time. Yeah, right, right. That's this how Kipper works. This right? is the uh, this is the preset that is seven metal zones in uh, in series, all turned on and you know and dialed to a yeah, yeah. Um, Except for the bass is turned all the way down in in honor of Eddie Van Halen. And this is what that is sound like. Yeah. Sounds like. This is what that is sound like. That, this is what that is sound like. Uh, no, this is a, this is a, what is it? I believe, I, it doesn't say right now, but I believe that this is an AC30 uh, on the Bright channel. Okay. Uh, this is, I use basically only Michael Britt profiles. Okay. They're, they're, as far, I haven't had a Kemper for that long, so I'm not, I'm kind of a noob to it, but um, all the best profiles that I've found so far are the Michael Britt ones. Um, so yeah, this is an AC 30. It's got compression. I put in a, a, a preamp and a post amp EQ. Um, they're nothing crazy. It's just like, uh, one is like a little bit of a mid boost pre. And then, uh, the one in post is I usually do a high cut, uh, at 
somewhere between 13k and 16k um and that's just to dial out for uh any any sort of breakup i find that digital stuff tends to it's just the weird like, crispies yeah it, you get weird crispies and and, and um unpleasurable yeah, and I mean, especially on an AC30, I, I probably have a 13K cut in here, um, just because you get, or, or you already get so much high end. Um, so yeah, there's that, and then I think there's a, like a room sound on here from the jam earlier, and then like a spring reverb. Um, so nothing crazy, you know. This is bridge pickup, or wide open this is wide open bridge pickup uh i'll take you through the the different pickup settings so take me <laughs> uh so bridge pickup uh here is both of them middle position sounds nice actually i've done a lot here it's full it almost has a little more clarity on top in yeah, that, yeah. from that neck pickup, which is rarely how that works. And then finally, neck. So let's hear yeah. let's hear the pickup with the tap, and then let's hear uh, in phase with the other pickup as well. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That'll be a different tap. I haven't even tried that yet, too. actually. Okay. So this is neck pickup, wide open with the coil tap. Actually, let's do this. Yeah. Uh, Un- untap the bridge. Untap the bridge. Oh, yeah. Like let's, that. Uh, tap. Tap the neck and here. Look, give me the middle position. Yeah. So here's middle position. Untapped bridge. Ah. Yeah. I tell you what. You play for a second and let yeah, me yeah, and let it, me twist. That's full humbucker middle position. This is. That's the tapped neck. It definitely leans strattier tones. It's not the same, but it's pretty stratty for that guitar. Go back to playing that same chord thing. So that's that's fully engaged. Now let's tap the bridge. bridge kind of is overpowered by the neck when it's tapped whereas the opposite way i think it works really well yeah this one i like that one yeah that sounds really cool yeah it's got some booty on it even though it's like let's let's uh, tap them both
right, cool. Now let's hear that bridge pickup with the tap. that one too it's functional i like the, i like the i like the tapped settings of those pickups better for my personal to my personal than the ear. untapped ones yeah okay the, the untapped just they they just seem a, a little darker like to my ear uh, yeah, yeah. or they seem significantly darker to my ear i obviously have a slightly brighter tone than a lot of people too so Take that with a grain of salt. Um, I uh, yeah, I th- I feel like the the tap settings are obviously it's like you know it, it's a it's not exactly like a Stratocaster, right? Yeah, but, but it, it, it leans. Yeah, and it, it doesn't. It's I wouldn't even call it. Uh, sometimes coil taps to me can sound a little sterile or a little bit. Uh, like too mid rangey or something. Uh, like there's a, just a, this weird, uh, almost like a guitar just straight into a PA yeah. type sound. This doesn't have that to me, but um, it it's not quite like a straight up strat. Sure. It's still like it's got a lot of clarity and it's, it's punchy, super like super clean, like a what's it called, like a humbugger too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot of pick sound on it. Yeah. And that that probably is is like the compression still coming from the humbucker. Let, uh, let's hear let's hear an overdrive sound with that bridge. Um, yeah. Let me do this. Let's see. Yeah, do this. Um, you can do this. Um, London's doing a little tap dancing. I'm, I'm petting the dog. So this is a um, this is a another Michael Britt profile. This is a '72 Marshall. I don't I don't know what the amp model is to be honest. Um, some sort of '72 Marshall. You probably could hear it more than I could. Sure. Just with a, just like uh, uh, an EQ, like, I mean, uh, it's kind of like a cut through the mix EQ, I think is what it's called in Kemper. Uh, And then obviously just probably like a quarter note delay uh, and then a little bit of spring reverb, I think. Maybe that's like a, a room verb. Um... <laughs> um but yeah it gets it gets a uh, uh. 
Sit. having a having a doggy meltdown over here. Lay down. Um, but yeah, I love it, man. Uh, this this guitar is uh, is perfect for what I need it to do. Um, and I, you know, plays great. I played it earlier. Yeah, it it it's fantastic. Uh, and, and like I said, it stays in tune. Like uh, I love my Gibsons. I have a I have a Gibson three thirty nine custom shop and a, um, a Les Paul special double cutaway. Um, that are both just fantastic guitars, but I feel like I can't take them on the road because they're constantly going out of tune. Yeah. Um, it, it, especially if there is any kind of inclement weather condition, be it high humidity or, uh, you know, if it's cold, a little too hot or a little too cold, yeah. um, then my the friction of my hands heating up the string uh, is going to cause... Time a lot of tuning issues in addition to like the wood swelling and all that stuff i think putting any guitar in those kind of conditions is going to result in that kind of a thing but, but i've I, noticed a lot more stability with this instrument people say that I, my les paul stays in tune great it just weighs yeah. as much as i do yeah well i have a les paul special so the it, it's a construction wise a lot different from an actual les paul i, I consider them completely have you, different guitars and you've changed the nut and had special nuts made and slotted and everything um, and done all the stuff that you I haven't can done do to, all the stuff that i need to do i'm i'm gonna try i think i'm gonna start with um start with the nut, nut if you sauce. haven't done the nut I'm gonna, well yeah I'm I'm gonna just start. don't even forget the sauce get somebody to make somebody that knows what they're doing get mm-hmm. them excuse me to make you the nut that it needs so yeah. that you don't get it's not catching not the binding and you yeah. may you know if, if the slot is not the right size and and made the right way it doesn't no amount of uh, uh nuts slots sauce or whatever you're talking yeah. about or you know pencil graphite or mm-hmm. whatever you want to put in there is going to work yeah because it'll eventually whatever that substance is evaporates to the point that you're in the same place perhaps even worse with whatever residue it could leave behind yeah so you just that is from what i understand from the gibson guys which i'm always sort of one is that's what you do you get yeah get the nut start there i've noticed uh have you had work done on the 330 for the nut uh, I've had a lot of work done that guitar. Okay. What, that guitar what, stays in tune, like pretty. And it's missing like ferrules about bushings around the posts of the tuner in three of them. Yeah, it's just like, just kind of like. I, I've always been surprised that that guitar in particular stays in tune because it has all of the attributes that would make you think that guitar is going to go out of tune. Yeah, that guitar stays in tune pretty well. Uh, the 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 SG stays in tune really well. The Sheraton comes and goes. Yeah. Cold weather or like drastic temperature weather is not the weather for that guitar. Mm. Like a, a studio with a really cold air conditioner is going to give it problems too. Yeah. As it comes on and goes off, etc. And I mean you're going to you're going to have some of that like, you know, like stepped on a dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh it like 
five to ten cents of change in either direction because of uh you know the strings being cold and then heating up when you play them yeah. stuff like that but uh i to me it should uh, ideally never be any more than that uh in, in a live gig yeah you know um so i uh, i don't know it's just like i'm not Ow. i'm not a genius with all that stuff so it's it's really nice to to be able to just get an instrument out of the box and go play it and not have to deal with all that shit yeah, yeah. you know um somebody is needy are you just shutting this podcast down bro <laughs> Dear and beer. okay so for you five questions can you guess which ones they will be <laughs> i know what the first one is what's the first one ask and answer your own first question metallica or megadeth that is the question um so for me it's megadeth because uh i while i didn't necessarily grow up listening to i mean of course i know like some songs from each band yeah, um sure I, the, I, the, the, if you were alive and heard radio music in the 90s exactly you heard countdown or symphony of destruction from countdown to extinction and sweating bullets from megadeth you definitely heard those two songs yeah if you're at all a guitar rock player and you definitely heard inner sandman wherever i may roam and sad but true and nothing else matters from that same period when radio yeah, was yeah, the yeah. biggest it ever was um so but uh, i, I say those songs i say megadeth because megadeth uh influenced the bands that i grew up listening to um you know being that being like uh mastodon and uh you know kind of like not necessarily directly like opeth or dillinger escape plan but like certainly they influenced them more from what i can tell than uh than metallica did yeah uh sonically sure um so yeah megadeth that's a good choice i you know i love both the second question is live or session man it's such a hard one um both have their merit for sure i guess it, it depends on it depends on the role that i would play in a session are you talking like just session guitar player yeah um it also depends on the band that i'm playing with live um factors aside yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to make a choice. I know, I know. And I've heard I've heard this question so many times. The proverbial gun. I still to your head. I still couldn't um to to have to decide sucks. So you yeah. just got to figure out which arm you want to cut off. Uh, okay, I'll say it like this. I I think that it, like the most ideal of either situation um live creates the highest highs like the the excitement the like you know hair standing up on the back of your neck moment sure happens way more often to me in a live setting than in a studio setting but the uh the lo like overall satisfaction of like i created something here's this thing that will live forever i got to like craft the aesthetic of an artist yeah uh that comes from the studio thing and sure i it, it's it's damn near a tie i'm just gonna say live 
the I, I will say live because I, I think that the the most inspirational musical moments of my life have have been in a live setting either as an audience member or a player totally so you have an amp you have a guitar yeah you have to go do a gig and you get one pedal what's the pedal um what's the amp and guitar whatever you choose whatever i choose i mean probably not a dumble because the reality of you actually playing a dumble is a lot lower but i'll give you pretty much anything else <laughs> yeah um maybe robin ford decides he likes you and lets you borrow one of his <laughs> yeah 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 um no i'll give you i'll give you whatever man damn man um but you this is the if if kirk franklin calls you or dirks bentley like you get it's the same rig you got to go do these either of these gigs yeah i i mean to be perfectly honest uh, uh if if the amp doesn't have a reverb on it um then i'm either taking a delay pedal or a reverb pedal because uh there's a bunch of situations where I absolutely hate being completely dry. Um, totally understand. If, if I have an amp that has reverb on it, then I'm turning the reverb up to two, and I would take a... Uh... <laughs> Whatever makes that sound. <laughs> You're an ass, dude. Uh, I, I, I'm taking some sort of like like... Uh, preamp style pedal be it uh i i would say either the j rocket archer or uh the exotic uh rc those are good choices yeah. my fourth question is you're on a desert island you get three records tell me what they are don't think about it okay um it would be uh Kurt, Kurt Rosenwinkel Reflections. Um, it would be Texas Flood. Okay. Um, and, uh, man. I... I, I <laughs> I'm trying to go through like just the you said just off the top uh, it would be uh, um, Beck morning phase those are great choices I think that is a good outline of you which I think that the quicker you can come up with those is just kind of like that was just off you know you said totally. without hesitation I mean I could I could maybe come up with a list I felt yeah but know. that's not the list that I want yeah straight off the top of my head reflections is is my first choice always no matter what i mean it's your it's your one one i spent so much time with that record uh um there's uh, i don't think that there's a single moment in that record that i don't like uh it's as far as a jazz guitar trio record goes just perfect uh you know compositionally and everything right um Texas Flood is the record I spent the most time with in my childhood, probably. Uh, and, like, I think Sea Change, or not Sea Change, I said Morning, I phase. Said morning phase. Yeah. I consider those two kind of, like, on the same continuum, right? I do, but they're, like, ten years apart. They are, but they're they're 
I, I mean, I would say that morning phase is the refined version of sea change. Um, and, and it's a refined Which a total, version of sea change was a total sea change for him. It was. Musically. Yeah. I think it was a sea change for, uh, for the, uh, general like compositional aesthetic of, uh, certain artists. Like, I mean, golden hour would not have happened for Casey Musgraves as a record without sea change or morning phase that record to me, it sounds incredibly influenced by that. And there's so many other artists that you could say that about for that record. Sure, Um, Beck is largely influential. He's been doing a lot of really cool, different music for three decades. Yeah. I mean that, that's definitely, those are all 14 records, but particularly that record for me in terms of like a lot of times, if, if an artist, uh, particularly like, um, somebody that it has more acoustic, acoustic leanings. Um, that is, that's kind of like my go-to aesthetic of like just a, a foundation of a record. If I'm like producing something, you know, um, or a, a lot of times, a lot of times, even if I'm writing something, sure. And I listen to that record at least ten times a year. It's a great record. Uh, I spent a lot of time with it when it came out. It was like 2014, 2015. Damn, was it that late? Uh huh. Yeah, okay. I lived here. Morning phase, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sea change. Sea change was, was what, like two thousand four. No, I think it was even. I might have been two thousand. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I could be wrong about that. Man, they're both so good, though. They are great. My favorite Beck records are Odelay and The Information, too. But I also, I love Morning Phase. Odelay was, you know, arguably his most influential record just because it could not escape two turntables and a microphone or Devil's Haircut for a couple Mm -hmm. of years, man. Great record. I love it. Lyndon, my final question. Here we are. We have made it to the King's Court. This is just some of the cheesiest shit I've ever thought of, but that's what it is. And I love it. Are. I love it. So the King's Court, and the King's Court, you must choose between Freddie, BB, Albert, or his ex. Uh, okay, so. King's ex. This is a. This if is anybody an was e- confused by that. Easy joke. choice for me. Uh because he's from Mississippi and uh and I saw him not too long before he died at BBB King um it'd be BB King it would be BB King yeah <laughs> it would be the uh better business bureau king BBB King um, no I I mean I saw him live it I had been a fan for a long time as a kid he's from Mississippi so I got those you know just I I same geography, I can't, bro. Yeah, I mean, I can't not support something from Mississippi. I get um, it. I love all those other people. I saw it, you know, as we kind of talked about earlier in the week. I, I saw King's X in Mississippi, in Hattiesburg. Um, uh, Doug Very Panic randomly on USM's campus. Uh, and But yeah, B.B. King, man. He's just... He's a monster. You know, undeniable, man. He's you know? a monster. Yeah. I, lo- I love... Live at Cook County, man. That's everybody's. Uh, it's uh, was it live at the Regal? That is like it's the one that Clapton always talks about. But and, Cook County is the the one. Is that Cook County Jail? Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's the 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 record that is like credited as the creation of like the overdrive sound. Really? Yeah. Uh huh. Well, that's his best record too. Yeah, I agree. That would be my favorite. How blue can you get? Oh man. What a great version. Um, 
But yeah, man, he was and that's, just, that's that's the one. That's the version that uh, primitive radio gods sampled, and that uh, John Mayer is quoting in. Ever uh, since the day we met, yeah, that, that thing, yeah, oh, dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. We you, talked about that one time. You showed me look, that. Where the all the, the the primitive radio gods, the uh, the song is called "Standing Outside of a Phone Booth" or something like that. I don't know that one. Oh, I'll show it to you after okay. this, and I'll put a link in the show notes. That that's where I first heard it. It was like a radio song, and it's like a, it's definitely like a, a sample collage. It's sampley brit pop i think as, as a matter of fact but they uh the chorus is a, just a bb king sample i've been downhearted baby i've been i've been downhearted baby <laughs> ever since the day we met yeah you sing it way better than i did since the day we met and they just like they phrase it they yeah. take his singing and like phrase it differently where the you know the pulse of the music is it's actually very cool uh and then obviously the still feel like your man he puts it in the yeah. breakdown of that song what's badass um well great also, great answer by the way oh no go ahead that that record from john mayer is ever since you showed me that record man i like it more than continuum to be perfectly honest i think i, I do too but i continuum was still not wasn't ever it's everyone's favorite record but it's not my favorite i like battle studies a lot dude battle studies is great um i recognize why it continuum it's is not as guitar as continuum i mean i you know i get it i get why continuum is continuum uh but um it's some really next level guitar playing on continuum for john yeah sure and, and also every like how many songs charted from that album uh yeah i don't know but like three three or four a ton a, a lot like more than the typical album and especially for somebody who's like you know like that, just just got through being super soft rock yeah like he had this breakout record that's just i i don't know that i, I understand through the halls of my school right 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 yeah, yeah i love that or record. your body is a wonderland or whatever see that, that's a i i respect that song sure. i don't like it i mean I don't, it's like one of maybe one of one john mayer songs that i don't want to listen to. i mean I, i'm not going to say that i don't like it but if we're talking about all of other his other material yeah, I just, I, it's kind of like inconsequential you know I, no offense to john mayer who i am just a huge fan of but i skipped that song yeah that's fine you can't like them all and i don't um i don't like all all of russia's songs either there's one rush song that i don't care for what song it's called kid gloves you're gonna have to show it to me after this i will it's just not good but hey <laughs> everybody swings in a miss one one song and 27 studio albums so <laughs> yeah right right uh, i'll give <laughs> it a pretty to good you. record well lyndon lyndon mccarty on guitarty guitarty on mccarty however i end up saying it somebody said mcsharty on a gig the other day mcsharty that's good lyndon mcsharty on get shardy uh get i just sounded like i was talking about the movie get shorty but i was from ireland get shardy you sounded like you're smelling biscuits I don't get that, but uh, have this, a stroke. Oh well, that's uh, no. You smell burnt, uh, burnt toast. Yeah, that's those aren't the same thing. I mean, not when you have one a, is it, such one a is refined del- palate as yours. One is delicious. The other thing is burned. All right, <laughs> but yeah, I've never had a stroke. So I haven't like either. Um, although yesterday, sitting at the bar in the Phoenix airport, uh, me and Aaron and there's a guy sitting on the other side of her, and I was like. I looked over to Aaron and I said, 
do I smell burning paper? And she's like, I don't know. And this, the guy sitting next to her is like, yeah, I smell that. And I was like, Phew. Phew. I, thought for a moment, I thought maybe I was having a stroke or something for a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Lyndon McCarty on guitar. Cheers, bro. Cheers, uh, brother. You'll, Good year. Uh, you'll be back. We'll be back. Everyone's back. Back again. Uh, tell them about tell your friends about this show uh tell your parents tell your tell your dogs talk to your dogs uh on when walk walk your dogs talk to your dogs on the walk about this podcast while you're listening to it um and then follow like share send money send beer send t-shirts uh we're looking i'm looking into t-shirts gonna try to get some t-shirts going soon so uh people can support this podcast and help me uh pay for beer and this will come out after christmas but merry christmas happy holidays happy new year uh be safe if you're not gigging on new year's eve and be uh, safe if you are gigging on new be, year's. be just be safe uh try not to be a dick and don't forget to check us out next week with another episode of gear and beer yeah buddy <laughs> oh we're pointing again is this the part where we fade? Uh, yeah, probably. All right. Thank you for listening to the Gear and Beer Podcast. Make sure and subscribe and turn on notifications for our channels. And if you haven't already, follow our Instagram and YouTube channels. We truly appreciate your support and ask that you please tell anyone you know whom you think might be interested in our podcast about gear and beer to help us grow and continue bringing in great guests from around the industry and beyond. Thanks again, and until the next episode.